0: Hello oh, and welcome to Plot This is Meg. This is Ling. And today we're talking about Undercover Bromance by Lissa K. Adams.
1: This was just published in the last month and is the second in the Bromance Book Club series.
0: So as you probably guessed, this is our new release for the month of April.
1: Yes. And we reviewed the first in the series relatively recently.
0: We did. Uh, and... We liked it. We actually, I would say, really liked the first one. We had some slight issues with it. But, uh, uh, I mean, I'm speaking for myself, but I really liked the second one a lot. So, as usual, we'll start with the book jacket. Brayden Mack thinks reading romance novels makes him an expert in love, but he'll soon discover that real
1: life is better than fiction. Liv Papandreas has a dream job as a sous chef at at Nashville's hottest restaurant. Too bad the celebrity chef owner is less than charming behind kitchen doors. After she catches him harassing a young hostess, she confronts him and gets fired. Liv vows revenge, but she'll need assistance to take on the powerful chef. Unfortunately, that means turning to
0: Braden Mack. When Liv's blackballed from the restaurant scene, the charismatic nightclub entrepreneur offers to help expose her ex-boss. But she's suspicious of his motives. He'll need to call in reinforcements. The bromance book club. Inspired by the
1: romantic suspense novel they're reading, the book club assists Liv in setting up a sting operation to take down the chef. But they're just as eager to help Mac figure out the way to Liv's heart, even though she's determined to squelch the sparks between them before she gets burned.
0: I mean, this, it's not a terrible book jacket, but it is extremely inaccurate in one spot. And it is that she is not a sous chef. She is a pastry chef. They are completely different. Completely really different. Like, how did that get past the editors? No clue. Because it's a big thing.
1: Yeah. But, but other, other, than that,
0: yeah, other than that, not too bad. I think it gives you a good idea of, of the playfulness of the book as well.
1: Yes, I think that the vibe is right. Mm
0: -hmm. So again, we've talked about this before. We can forgive some inaccuracy if if you if the vibe of the book jacket
1: is right. Absolutely. So um, we write our own summaries. And this week, the random number that we had to use was 31. So my 31 word summary is founder of the bromance book club partners with ball busting pastry chef with trust issues. When it turns out a powerful local celebrity is a serial sexual harasser, but cute and lighthearted. Yeah.
0: I mean, that's, that's totally it because, and that's the thing too, this book deals with some really heavy stuff, yep. but manages to do it authentically, but also without getting you down. I think maybe that's what I, why I liked it so much.
1: Yeah, I mean, just right off the bat, like, it's about sexual harassment. She catches this celebrity chef sexually harassing an employee, realizing it's been going on for ages, and she feels an obligation to take him down. She knows the women he's harassed. They have a lot of really difficult conversations, and yet somehow this book is still predominantly fun.
0: Exactly. It's, it's So props to Alyssa K. Adams. I think she did a really good job with it
1: definitely. What was your 31 word summary, Meg?
0: Here it is. Mac must harness alpha male power to help live take down toxic masculinity. Read this book if you like men calling out sexism and the bad guys getting what they deserve. Yep. So, which to me also points it points out both the strength and the weakness of this book, mm-hmm. which we'll get to, I'm sure, but the the whole point of these books, of these books in this series, is that romance novels do deal with real life issues and they can help you deal with it. On the other hand, we are reading a romance novel. So when the trope gets called out in while you're reading, you kind of know that that's what the book is gonna be about too, so
1: yeah. Yeah, and I think this is a good place before we dive into the tropes. So the first book was about a marriage in crisis And the book selected to help the guy through the issues with his wife was a historical romance about a marriage in crisis. And the story was set up so that the main character who was being inducted into the romance book club was sort of alternating chapters as excerpts from the book they were reading. And then there'd be the next chapter would be scenes from their actual life. And there'd be a lot of really obvious parallels. I was a little bit nervous about that formula being applied, one, again, and two, to a romantic suspense book. Mm-hmm. And she does away with that formula entirely. So this time, the main character is the guy who founded the book club. He chooses a modern romantic suspense set in the present day. And while there are discussions of that book, it is, you're not getting excerpts from it constantly as like an obvious parallel yeah I think there's really only
0: one time in the book where there's a there's a paragraph that's taken from the book like Lane I liked that a lot Mm -hmm. so I liked the change and I thought it worked better
1: and I think it's not even necessarily a question of better or worse for me it's just it would have been something I think difficult to do again without feeling really played out yeah and I like that she found a way to keep the book club framework without necessitating reliance on the fiction. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, we also, before we get to the tropes, we do have one of our features for this book. It's Gentleman Jackson's Get Fit Workout. Uh, in this one, it's for the rich nightclub owner.
1: So- I laughed out loud when I read this line.
0: You knew. You knew I was going to put this in here, didn't you? Yes. So just to give a, you some background about what Gentleman Jackson's Get Fit Workout is. So for us, we will mention it whenever it is mentioned in the text explicitly why the hero is looks so good. Why his body is so
1: hot. Especially when it's a very odd reason that makes no sense <laughs>
0: exactly and in the last one it was kind of great because basically the reason is because he had to work out for his job because he's a baseball player so uh, kind of, we kind of loved it mm-hmm. in this one okay literally he he has so he has a lean body that you get from jogging and jeans and i'm not talking about jeans j-e-n-s no 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 this is g-e-n-e-s So it's not, he does, his body's not slim because he's wearing jeans. No, it's because his father and mother gave him some great jeans, I
1: guess. I mean, I would love it if all it took to stay in like rippling ab good shape was jogging most days. Mm -hmm. I do not believe that is the case for most people.
0: Yeah, look, I jog, I run. And I will say that it's probably the exercise that I find keeps the weight off the most. That said, it does not build muscle. Jogging is like, doesn't build muscle at all. It will get the fat off your body, but you don't put more stuff on.
1: I'll just say that. There's no like weight training or resistance or anything like that inherent to running yeah so yeah I mean granted I get it this dude does hang out with a bunch of pro athletes so I get why he would be image conscious yeah but to throw away like oh it's not much work I just run sometimes was pretty hilarious
0: I mean to be fair he doesn't say that this is from this is from uh Liv's perspective but but still but still I it would have been nice to see him going to the gym once in a while oh although you know what I also love it because it's even better for Gentleman Jackson's Get Fit workout.
1: That's true. That's true.
0: And then, oh, well, they do mention that he does celebrity golfing.
1: Right. As a workout.
0: Yeah. I mean, they don't say that it's a workout and they don't say that he's hot
1: because of it, but he does do it. I'm just saying the sport that requires the least time in the gym is golf. (laughs)
0: 100%.
1: So true. And I'm not saying you can't benefit from being fit as a golfer. Like, clearly, Tiger Woods proved that there are benefits to hitting the gym. But the golf in and of itself is not going to build your body up. Mm
0: -mm. Nah, it's not. It's not. And neither is the jogging. (laughs) I guess that's where the genes come in. (laughs) Sure. All right. So the the tropes. And uh, some of these are made explicit just because this is the kind of book that we're reading. We're reading a book. A meta-book, a meta-novel, about back novel. Uh, and so the, the major trope here is the enemies to lovers trope. So they, from the first book, which is when Liv and Mac met, Liv ha- cannot stand Mac. She just can't stand him.
1: She he thinks he's a major dude and he you knows he's hot and that's enough.
0: Yeah, exactly. And you know what? I'm going to be honest. I probably, like Liv, would have had a knee-jerk reaction about mac if i had just met him yeah it was so rude yeah but well and also he looks and sounds like a bro douche a douche bro like however you want to say that that's how he seems like he owns nightclubs he like wears golf shorts all the time which Mm -hmm. is pointed out several times in the book and he took her chinese food which i would have been pissed
1: yeah, definitely.
0: So I was feeling Liv. I've i heard through the great mind that people didn't like Liv because they felt that she was, like, too aggressive. And I was like, what? nah, like, that's, maybe I also liked this book because, like, yeah, I can
1: see a lot of myself in Liv. <laughs> no, Liv, I had no problems with her aggressiveness. We'll, we'll get to some of my, like, what Things I thought were pretty inauthentic overall, but my problem was not Liv's character development. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, so enemies to lovers. Uh, there's also the trope where he wants to protect her.
1: Right, so she gets fired from her job because she witnessed the sexual harassment, but it happened to happen on a night when she dropped a very expensive dish in front of her boss on Max Dates' lab. Yep. And so Mac feels in some way responsible for her current plight because, you know, he was a part of the chain of events that led to this whole thing happening. And then when he finds out the re- the real reason that this guy is a gross serial sex offender, he becomes, like, doubling down. Okay, not only do we need to stop him, but I need to protect Liv that I know how gross he is. I can't put her in danger.
0: Yeah. And then I do have to say I really liked it because the, the book that they're reading is The Protector. So... No. It, very well done. Very well done, Lyssa K. Adams. Very well
1: done. Tongue in cheek. Um, both of them have daddy issues. Yep. Some so serious daddy issues in their past. She has the same daddy issues basically her sister did, minus one incident which she tells her sister about in this book. Um, so if you read the first one, you pretty much know what hers are. Mm-hmm. He tells everyone his father is dead, but it turns out he's just an awful person. He's a really, really awful person. Really so terrible. So going the toilet it because it's a huge part of the plot, but like both of them are afraid of, are scarred by the people their parents were, and afraid of the things their parents have told them, and the dads are horrible, horrible monsters.
0: Yeah, I will say that if this were a historical romance and Mac were an earl, the dad would definitely 100% be dead.
1: Yes. In this case, he's out of the picture, but not dead. And this sort of extends into another trope um, that I'm going to call Sins of the Father, mm-hmm. where Mac especially is afraid of being like his dad. Yes, yes, that, like, such a the, trope. The things his dad has have done were not just scarring to him, but his biggest fear is that he's like him.
0: Such It's such a romance novel trope, yes,
1: yeah. And he thinks he's not good enough because he thinks he's like his dad. Yeah.
0: And then we have the the trust me, but I'm lying to you, Tro. Yep. That we see so often that, you know, they con- it comes down to, well, you don't trust me, but they've been hiding something the whole time. So maybe the other person is justified in not trusting them. Yeah. So I, I can't say I hate it because it's, I-, I kind of love it now when it's in these books, even though it's so stupid.
1: Yeah um live is a textbook baby sister who needs to prove herself
0: Mm -hmm. and yeah one of my favorite tropes here is someone's coming so how do you hide in plain sight you make out on the street
1: well no in this case in a gross bar yeah
0: in this case it's in a gross bar but it's you know it's like the quintessential indiana jones kiss yep the quintessential video game kiss like Mm -hmm. it's the kiss that you see so many places where you know they maybe they weren't ready to kiss really
1: but they're gonna give in and do it we just saw it it in the back along it's gonna take them so long to get there on their own that their first kiss needs to be a ploy as a part of the plot but then once they kiss each other they find it so hard to keep their hands off each other
0: yeah i mean i i love it yes this is such a great trip i love it
1: so well executed here too yes
0: So as you may have guessed, Meg really liked this one a lot. Uh, I personally really preferred it to the first one. Mm -hmm. I liked the first one. I I enjoyed it a lot, but I liked this one more. And I'm wondering if it's because, so in the first one, it was supposed to be historical romance and historical romance tropes. And that's my preferred genre. It's what I read the most of.
1: So Mm -hmm. I think
0: maybe I was already like, okay, I get it. You don't have to explain this to me. And okay. here, since it was romantic suspense, which is not something that I read very often, I think I enjoyed the tropes being explained
1: a little more. Oh, interesting. Okay. Hmm. I, I didn't think of it that way. I don't think that affected me. Honestly, I think I liked them equally. Yeah. Um, there were things about the first one I really enjoyed. There were things about this one I really enjoyed. There were things I had problems with in the first one. There were things I had problems with here. Both of them overall were fun reads and you should totally pick them up.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. I recommend them both. Uh, I, it's just interesting to me because I, again, I've heard through the grapevine that a lot of people really preferred the first one to the second. And it just wasn't the case for me. Like I definitely liked the second one more. Well, the other
1: thing is. Gavin and Thea have a small town love story, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's a good guy who got caught up in, how fast his life moved. They had kids really young and it was sweet the way he kind of was willing to put in the work and listen to smarter people tell him how to interpret what was going on. Mm-hmm. And Thea was a small town girl whose life got blown up when she fell for a big shot ball player and yeah. she was like finding herself. I think they were like simpler people. Maybe that's it. I, 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 think I will say that Mac and think... Liz are both sharper. Yes, and
0: I think that Lissa Cadens does a really good job. I really, truly think she did a really good job with these characters. Yes. They're both complex characters who are not 100% good
1: or 100% bad. Yeah. And I, which I like. But I was totally rooting for both of them. But I do think in terms of characters I relate to, this book had... I related to both Mac and Liv more than I related to Gavin and Thea.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I would say I agree with that, too.
1: Yeah. So, so
0: I so Liv lives with an old hippie. I will not say ex-hippie because I think she still is a hippie. <laughs> uh, on a farm, right? And so Liv lives there with, I don't, she doesn't pay much rent and she does a lot of farm chores to stay on this, on this. Farm with this hippie her name is rosie and i actually really liked rosie as a secondary character and i liked hop so hop is their neighbor who's a vietnam vet and who's basically totally in love with rosie but can't admit it and comes over to help out on
1: the farm and comes over to help
0: out on the farm i liked their development i especially liked hop's character development Again, through the means of Mac. So Mac is like the catalyst. He, he was the one who created the Burma's Book Club. Mm-hmm. And he spends a lot of time explaining toxic masculinity and romance tropes and things like that. And he does that here with Hop, who has this like latent life male ally feminist awakening. <laughs> which I, I was totally there for.
1: Basically. It was so much fun.
0: Yeah. So I liked it a lot.
1: I also liked... Hop and Rosie are very much parental figures to live, and I think with the exception of the Will scene at the end, it's not, like, you're not beaten over the head with it. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of authors would have given into the temptation to have Liv reflect a lot on how Hop and Rosie were part of her, like, healing process from her traumatic childhood, and I'm very grateful that didn't get spelled out.
0: I agree. It's It was well done. And they were they were actual characters on their own, which I really liked.
1: Without getting too much page time. Exactly. And not like any inauthentic scenes from their perspectives. Or yes. Yeah, it was definitely well executed. Yes. I do have to say, though, so as Meg mentioned, in lieu of actually paying real rent, Liv helps out on the farm. And I think one of the funniest scenes to me, so she gets up at like 6 in the morning – showers blows out her hair puts on a full face of makeup gets upset the second she walks outside and realizes it's misted and she did her hair for nothing gets gross feeding the chicken plucking the eggs like covered in chicken shit and it may, and then goes to work but it all made no sense to me because if you have a gross chore or a gross activity first thing in the morning don't you do it and then get ready I mean, I would
0: definitely do a gross tour and then take a shower. I agree. That with
1: said, Mac has a habit of showing up early. So she's perfectly done when he's there at 630, even though she's feeding the chickens.
0: So I also early. get the point. I also get the motivation for that, too. I get I see both sides.
1: But she doesn't know that he's coming. I just think it's hilarious. Like, I'm sorry, but the mornings that like I do yoga before I do anything else. Yeah. I'm disgusting. Yeah. Well, I you know, get ready I'm ready before I go work out.
0: You know, I'm a disgusting person anyway, because I don't ever put makeup on or I don't, know, I don't take showers in the morning either I always take my showers at night so
1: I meant more than like she's doing her hair before the chicken shit
0: I do get it I do get it like I mm-hmm. wouldn't take a shower and then go on a run like right wouldn't happen
1: like that's you're not a disgusting person because you do those things in the logical order that's true that's true but I, I was put off I was like wait she's getting ready to go feed the chickens what yeah yeah so that's- speaking of disgusting things So as we mentioned, the first kiss happens when they're in a stakeout in a like disgusting college bar and the bar is disgusting and like is described in detail and then they have to hide in the bathrooms and I mean for anyone who's ever been to a college dive bar and like this is all described in graphic detail and a girl pees while they're in the room and then they also like spend a lot of this book describing the Russians bodily functions. And how gross they are. And I have a really low threshold for gross stuff. And I will say this book passed it for me. It's it's tough for me. There were too many moments, especially in the midst of what was supposed to be simmering sexual tension, where, like, the ambience and bodily functions were described in detail and they were disgusting. And I could not. I hated it.
0: Yeah. It's... I will say though that bar was so authentic. Oh like, my god, I've been to that bar. <laughs> I've been to that bar. Not only that, like I'm not, I'm not a huge party person. I didn't really party all that much. I, like my entire college career, I probably went to the bar three times, and wow. uh, yeah, and yet it it is so authentic that out of the three times that I went to the bar, things like this like actually happened to me. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> like I remember. I so I remember getting drunk and then my friend and I went in the bathroom together and like we like peed, you know, I was like, I'm not gonna look, you know? <laughs> so I'm like, this happened. This would totally happen. So that's the thing too, is like yeah, even though it's disgusting and it feels like it's over the top. I'm like, actually this totally is so authentic.
1: I just needed less of it because of who I am, not it's because fair. it's bad writing. I mean, it's fair. I just, I did think it was really funny because I was like, oh my god, like <laughs> I, I wasn't a big bar goer, and yet, and yet. This um, I also just, while we're on things that bother me personally that are not universal, I have. So at one point, Liv is thinking about like what happens when she's in proximity with Matt, and she thinks the term suck face. And my father spent my whole life traumatizing me by walking up to my mother mother in public situations where my friends were and going hey want a suck face (laughs) and it like traumatizes me deeply so I can't read that term without thinking of my parents
0: well that's that's I mean that would be a rough one I guess
1: so that was also tough like in the midst of what's supposed to be this like reflection on their sexual encounter all I can think is my dad being stupid sure and so I just, that whole sequence, like I objectively recognize how sexy and fun it was, but it was like a giant cluster of triggering things for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. So
0: one of the things that I like that Lisa K. Adams does in this book is that she calls out both Mac and Liz about different things. Mm-hmm. It's not the narrator who calls them out. So it is, she, each of these characters is called out by different characters in the book. hmm and I, I liked it. I thought it was well done. I thought it was really a really good way to show how you can have the best of intentions and try your hardest and still have places you need to learn. And mm-hmm. So I liked it a lot.
1: So, yeah, for example, yeah go ahead. I was going to say Matt's whole thing is that he's like an expert from both romance novels and the other media he chooses to consume on the right way to do things and the right way to treat people. But that results in him sort of being the guy who always thinks he knows what's best for everyone else. Mm -hmm. And even when he knows he's being smothering or not necessarily respecting Liv's autonomy, he has a hard time letting go of this idea that he knows best. Yeah. And I think having him articulate why women need independence while hiding things from her and trying to operate without her was like really well executed.
0: Yeah, Exactly. I, I, and we have talked about this about how we like good characters mm-hmm. and i think lisa cadence does a great job of developing these characters that way like these are authentic people who have authentic problems and right. deal with them in
1: ways that that they should deal with them well and he even has an ex-girlfriend's well a current girlfriend at the beginning of the novel but an ex-girlfriend very quickly who calls him out and she's like you're great in bed I feel like you were executing steps based on a manual and the fact that it's me in the bed with you is irrelevant. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a very heavy handed way of expressing the like emotional intricacies of it. But it was interesting. It was this thought of like, you can do all the moves right. But if you're not actually doing them to the person, they know it. Yeah. Well,
0: I also like how the, the girl was like, look, you're really good in bed. And let's be honest, as part of the reason I stayed with you for so long. <laughs> that was
1: really good.
0: <laughs> she's like, but, you know. Uh, and, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then Liv gets it called out, too. So, I mean, she's she's sort of a heroic character because she wants to take down this sexual abuser, the sexual assaulter. Right. right. Um, the celebrity chef. But at the same time, she has she comes in for her own share of not doing things, not being super sensitive. Like she does end up being very victim blaming and she does. She's like, well, I wouldn't have stood for that. I can't believe that you let that happen to you. And, And she never says
1: that to someone who was assaulted, but she says two people unknowingly like, I can't believe this happens. And then they internalize it and aren't willing to open up or be honest with her because she comes across as so judgmental. I thought it was a really interesting choice to have Liz witness sexual assault rather than be sexually assaulted herself. Mm -hmm. Because I think it put the context of the narrative. Like we talk a lot about how it can't be the job of the victims to advocate all the time, but I mean, we as a society, but you also have to respect the limits of the victims when advocating for them. And I think this book does a decent job of delving into how complex that can be. Exactly. And where Liv fails at it. I had some problems with the depiction of the way victims behave. But they, I thought, Liv's character was well executed in this context.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's what I liked. I again, I like complex characters. I thought that this was a really good way of pointing that out. Mm-hmm. And then also, you as a reader think. At least I, as a reader, thought about what, how I would have reacted. You know, what would I do in this situation? You know? mm-hmm. So I liked it. I also thought that the male bonding was actually authentic. <laughs> I'm not, I don't male bond because I'm not male. Um, but I don't know, like they, like, yes, they make fun of each other a lot, but they're also very supportive of each other. I don't know. I just, I liked
1: it. That was one of the things that for me got a little too hokey. It
0: It is hokey. It I'm not going to say it's not hokey because it, it it is, but I also liked it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I like men showing up for each other and being helpful in ways other than just, like, drinking at the bar and venting. Mm -hmm. But I did... I don't know. Like, to a degree, I feel like as complex as Liv and Mac were, all the supporting characters end up being paragons of virtue in a weird way. Yeah,
0: I I mean, that is the thing, is you have to yeah no it's it's true it's true what do you how, how do you do this
1: it just that's ends up being so wholesome honestly
0: it's very wholesome
1: and but, that's adorable but also eye rolly
0: well that uh, that is the issue for, of both of these books for me is that yes. they are they again these are novels about novels so for example Mac literally says, so this is a quote from the book. When they ask him, why does he read romance novels? He says, good people always won in those books. Men were always heroic. And if they weren't, they got what was coming to them. Well, you read that and you know that that is what's going to happen in this book. Right. So it's, it's not a surprise at the end that the celebrity chef gets his comeuppance. You know, you know. I mean, it gonna, wouldn't have been a surprise even if he hadn't said it. It's true. But the fact that he did say it,
1: made it yeah I don't know you know what I mean it also there this one I think honestly more than the first one you get the idea the characters know they're in a novel yeah and the thing is it's one thing to have this sense of go win your wife back like you're in love that's gonna be enough in the end don't let the weariness get you down like to a degree I find that more believable Whereas in this one, the idea that like, you know, you're in the middle of the novel, you know, you're going to get the girl and get the bad guy was a little less self-evident. And it crossed the line for me of like breaking the fourth wall to a degree.
0: Yeah. You know, like when his friends are helping and they're like, oh, did you, this is the backstory. Remember? Yeah. This is the setup. And I'm like, yeah. I found that
1: a little less jarring when it was saving a marriage between two people who were still in love. Because like, okay, I I can buy that all the characters believe this is going to work out in the end because they kind of, they have more ability to control the situation and more knowledge of it. Where in this one, everybody's sort of unshakable belief that they were going to get the bad guy and hook these two people up. Yeah. Felt a little bit more contrived.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's a case of you want to have your cake and eat it too. Yeah. So I get it. I, I understand that this is a fantasy. Like I understand. I get it. Uh, and when you're reading a fantasy, you don't really want to look behind the curtain. But on the other hand, the point of this book is let's take a look
1: behind the curtain, mm-hmm. right? So that's that's what's hard for me. I agree. Um, one thing I really want to praise is so, obviously, as this is a romantic suspense, after a grand confrontation with the bad guy, a wrench is thrown in the relationship between the main characters. And while Liv is reflecting on the ways that she's failed in the situation, not just Mac, but in attempting to solve this problem for other people. She makes the decision to repair her relationship with the women she's been working with Mm -hmm. and open up to her sister about some of the things that have impacted their dynamic and involved their father before going and fixing things with Mac. Mm -hmm. And I actually really like that choice. Like, I think in terms of seeing how she has to grow as a person, it was refreshing to see her recognize that her problems didn't stem from him. Yeah. And I thought it was nice in a romance novel to see characters who just hooked up and were dating and were really into each other, but to see one of them acknowledging that these other relationships at this point in time are still more important yeah but like yeah your best friend of several years and your sister are more important to you than the guy you've been dating for six weeks no matter how much you think you like him
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and I liked I think I I don't know that I've ever read a romance novel where familial and friend relationships were authentically prioritized
0: that's interesting okay so I know I have some ideas for the next next series we have to get into I mean There, there are a few that are good
1: Especially historicals, right? Like we love the oh god, the Tessa Dare series with Girl Meets Duke. Yeah, Girl Meets Duke. Like those friendships are fun, but they are plot devices ultimately to get to the romance. Where I feel like this goes to say Lissa K. Adams built in a, like a believable world and believable characters. Like no, you buy that Thea is the most important person in love's life. Yeah, yeah, and that's okay. It's like it doesn't lessen her feelings for Mac or the fact that they're perfect for each other. It's that she and her sister have some shit to work through. Yeah.
0: I would say Eloisa James has some really good series that has, that have some really authentic female friendships in them. Oh, good. Yeah. So she wrote this, it's a series called the Essex sisters series, which as you can guess, is about four sisters. (laughs) Do they live in Essex? No, their name is Essex. Their name is Essex. Oh, (laughs) Um, But she also wrote, she also wrote, it's, uh, I forget the name of it. I don't know if it's the Desperate Duchess series. Um, but anyway, she, her one of her first series uh, has some really, really good books with,
1: with it's women. It's not friends. that I've never, I've read Authentic Female Friendships before. I've never, during the denouement, yes, seen the resolution start with her running to those female friends rather than the hero acknowledging that that's the appropriate order in which to resolve that's this. True. That's true. And so I just really liked it. Yeah. So we we
0: had a little bit of a, a, hmm, let's take a look at this because Mm -hmm. there's a plot point where Liv wants to record her boss basically admitting to these things. And so we were like, okay, is this legal or is this not? And I think part of the reason this came to our minds is because now Mm -hmm. we're recording these remotely uh, because we are physically and socially distancing and cannot be in the same room with each other. And every time Lane goes to record, it says, (laughs) avoid legal snags. Tell the person that you're
1: recording. (laughs) But I will- So I laughed because I was like, "Um, I'm sorry, you didn't tell him you're recording him. It's true. But But Tennessee
0: is a one-party state. And apparently, since Liv knew she was recording, it was okay.
1: And it's not like it needed to be permissible in court. They were yeah. using it to slander his reputation publicly, not try him. So I like that was more of a joke because I have to tell you all the time I'm recording. You. I
0: know, but then I was like, wait a minute, I'm going
1: to look this up. And I was like, so uh, technically, apparently they didn't break any laws. Good to know. Um, So we pointed out that this book deals with a lot of heavy issues and largely, I think, especially where the characters are concerned, it does pretty well. Mm-hmm. But there were a couple of places where, I thought it was handled less deftly, and I just Mm -hmm. wanted to call it out. One, there's a subtext of class conflict through this that doesn't feel very well handled. Um, Mac's first girlfriend that he's eating at the beginning of the book is super uncomfortable with his ostentatious displays of wealth. Liv talks about how uncomfortable his big house makes her and how, in her opinion, rich people aren't very morally good most of the time. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting that the romance Book Club is largely incredibly affluent men, but most of whom made their money themselves. They don't come from money. That said, I find it very disingenuous that Liv spouts her mouth and runs her mouth about rich people like this all the time. What in the book she interacts with a grand total of one person who's not a millionaire. Yeah. And when her grand plan revolves needing t- involves needing tickets to this very exclusive gala, she has several people who can just pop up with a ticket for her yeah and she gets fired at the beginning of the book and blacklisted and she makes a big show about needing to fix this on her own and be independent but ultimately she's like okay I have three months until I can't pay my bills but what's gonna happen to her if she hits those three months she moves in with Thea right she moves in with Mac like yes she doesn't want to take other people's money but she ultimately has a massive safety net and I say this as somebody who did too. Like I made a big show in my early twenties when I was making 30 grand a year when my car broke down of handling it myself and selling it and buying a new one and handling all the budget. And I was sort of at the max, I didn't have a whole lot of extra cash flow. But ultimately, while it was great that I did it myself and I was really proud of myself at the time, reflecting back now at 30 on handling that, the reason I was able to do it is because it wasn't very much of a risk. Yeah. Like, if I hadn't been able to make that car payment, or if I lost my job suddenly, mommy and daddy were there to take care of me. And my parents aren't wealthy. But I think live. this was one of those moments where live struck me as very young. Yeah. Because I think it's really easy to spout off about your independence and how you're doing it on your own when the reality is the situation where you fail isn't that bad.
0: Yeah. On the other hand, I think we were supposed to read it that way. Like, I was frustrated at Liv for her
1: for this attitude that she had because I was like come on I think maybe it wasn't so much that it was badly done as it made her seem a lot younger than Mac and that made me uncomfortable sure that's fair so anyway just pulling that out and also one of the things that bothered me was that Liv said to her friend upon finding out that her friend had been sexually harassed by this guy like why didn't you tell me why didn't you warn me and while I get why Liz was crit- liz was criticized for that. It was not well handled on her part. I find it really hard to believe. Liz worked for this guy for a year and never heard so much of a, "Hey, watch out when you're alone with him."
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and I'm
1: wondering and if from this friend, but like you can't work yeah. in a kitchen filled with women he's sexually harassing and not have somebody roll their eyes at a comment. Like, yeah. I just the way that. Everybody seemed intent on not telling Liv in particular. Yeah. Got to the point where I was like, okay, if it's this pronounced, I'm sorry, but every chef in the city knows.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I was wondering if she, and again, this is not in the text. And I us- I'm usually the person who points this out. Can I say, look, if I'm supposed to understand this, then you should explain it. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like it was, it's sort of in Liv's character to not see it. Uh, she knows that he's a horrible person to work for. Mm-hmm. And the fact, maybe people are saying, be really careful. She's like, yeah, I know. He's a total douche. That's you fair. Know? I don't, yeah. I just,
1: the way it was in the text, especially in the conversations between her and Alexis, I just, it struck me as very odd. Yes. Like I wish instead Alexis had said, well, I told you he was a monster to work for.
0: Yeah. I told, like I weren't. I had to
1: I find an mean, end. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. be more explicit than that, but I thought you were picking up what I was putting down.
0: Exactly. So, Because You know what? I, that's true. It would have made it a better book.
1: That's all. And especially because I think one of the things that's missing here is the way women try to protect each other in these situations. And I think this is my problem with it. It's not that I don't believe there are situations where individuals are ignorant. And it's not like I feel like it's the victim's responsibility to protect other people when they're dealing with their own trauma. My problem with it is The way women help women in these situations isn't by being loud and getting the guys arrested most of the time, right? It's the subtle way that we warn each other of dangerous people or that we've heard rumors about this guy, and I can't tell you how many times in my life I've benefited from it. So even when women don't have the protection of individuals willing to go out there and put their reputations on the line and make it right, there are still networks of women protecting each other. I knew which teachers in my high school had come on to kids even if I didn't have enough information to go to the principal with it. And even if I knew nothing was going to happen, if somebody did, I mean, I was in situations in college where, you know, professors would invite me out or invite huge groups of people out. And I knew the difference between the ones where it was legitimate learning opportunity. And when, Hey, look out, this is how he selects his victims. Like women have been protecting each other in these much more indirect ways. Especially when we didn't have the modern Me Too movement forever. And the fact that that was the subject of this book and that was not addressed at all. I thought was a weakness of the book.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it was presented as this is Liv's weakness is that she wouldn't have put up with it. And so other women are not going to go to her with these issues, but it should have been more
1: explicit. Yeah, and it's not even going to her. It's even if it had been a coworker saying, Well, yeah, I was warned about him before I started working here. But it had not right. happened to me. Like this idea that women have protected each other from these issues forever was not ever brought up.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: And I just found that really hard to believe.
0: <laughs> well, I I think that segues really well into offensiveness.
1: Yes, I think it does.
0: Um, so other than that, did you find anything offensive in this book?
1: Um okay no i have two joke offensiveness
0: things <laughs> i wrote one down for lane so she, did.
1: she knows me so well what the fuck is up with lissa k adams and chardonnay <laughs> is objectively the worst wine in the first book they order it with steak in this book she comes over for like a dessert hookup and he takes her to a library and rather than like pouring her a whiskey or offering her a cocktail, he pulls out an already open bottle of Chardonnay from his fridge. Mm-hmm. This is offensive on so many levels.
0: Lane was like, I would have been out of there.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, you offer specifically Chardonnay by... Especially, like, it's not like they were having fish or chicken and it was the wine he'd selected to pair. Like, this was the, hey, pre-booty call, you're coming over, want a drink to relax, I've got some Chardonnay in the fridge.
0: Well, and I think... Ugh. Not only that, he's a nightclub owner, and he actually it's actually pointed out once or twice in the book that they both know their liquors pretty well. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's really what got Blaine.
1: <laughs> no, it was the Chardonnay. The thing that really <laughs> got me was that the only wine that's been mentioned by name in either of these books is Chardonnay, yeah. Um, And then the other thing I'll just point out is I thought Lissa Kay Adams did a pretty good job with the baseball terminology in the first book. I actually think she does a pretty bad job with it here. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of discussion of whether Gavin was at a home game or an away game that to an actual baseball fan was really bizarre. Yeah. I was telling Meg, like, most baseball teams go on extended road trips. You don't just, like, go to the West Coast for a single day. Yeah you go out for like 12 days. So the way it was presented like, oh, they have a home game today or they have an away game today as if that meant they'd be there the next day helping out. Yeah. Made no sense. Yeah, And I don't think Lissa K either. I, I mean, I'll give Lissa K Adams credit to say maybe she knows that, but she was trying to make it simple for her readers who maybe yeah. don't have that knowledge. And that's totally fine. But for an actual baseball fan, every time that happened, it took me out of the story. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you know we don't know if this was Liske Adams. Maybe it was the editor too, saying, "Hey, you have you to know, explain.
1: Road like, trip yes. it's not going to mean something to a non-baseball fan." And I can totally see that point. But for a baseball fan to talk about an away game as a single-day event was very weird. Yeah. All right. So,
0: sexiness. I mean, this book did have some explicit sex scenes.
1: It's more explicit than the first one.
0: More explicit than the first, and they were pretty sexy, I thought.
1: But it wasn't I- like super groundbreaking or anything I still found these more fun than sexy I think they were even when they were explicit were more intended to make you laugh than to like titillate oh yeah Um, but and I will say so the first sex scene is the chardonnay (laughs) Right. the second sex scene randomly quotes the national anthem several times
0: yeah I don't know this it didn't bother me that part didn't bother me at all I, I I'm sure that I read it and it struck me at the time but
1: it didn't bug me I just think it's funny that things like Meg will notice a recurring bad grammatical habit. I won't. I'll notice things like the National Anthem was quoted several times. And isn't that guy that no one's talked about the heir to the dukedom? Like, (laughs) I think these like weird wording and plot problems. And so this one, the fact that I was reading the National Anthem mid-sex scene really threw me for a loop. And then the third one is totally fade to black. And the third one
0: was painted to Black, so, you know.
1: So I definitely, for me, this one goes more like fun romp than actually sexy.
0: Yeah, I, I will say that this, I think this is uh, like a contemporary rom com device. Yes. So, you know, I, I cannot fault Lissa K. Adams for her sex scene just because I think
1: this is this is the trope of her genre. I think they were well done and perfectly executed for what they were supposed to be. I think this is where it's just a matter of preference. I don't read a whole lot of modern. This is why we read
0: historical. Yeah. Just, just saying.
1: Yeah. But overall, fun book. Definitely recommended.
0: Yes, I, I agree. Really enjoyed this one. Definitely check it out. Um, if you enjoyed the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe.